0: Today on Blue 58, the Packers got their bounce-back game that they needed, pretty much handling the Chicago Bears after a bit of a slow start. So are all the Packers' issues handled now, or should we still be a little bit concerned? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. happy to be with you here for another episode. And hey, look at that, celebrating the first win of the year. The Packers get to Lambeau Field, and they take care of business against the Chicago Bears. Broadest possible question in this one, what happened? It's pretty simple, I think. The, backer, the Packers are a better team than, than the Chicago Bears, top to bottom. They've got a better quarterback. They've got more talent on offense, even with some of the nice pieces that the Bears have. They have more talent on defense. Their coaches had more time to implement a system. They're just better and further along than the Bears are right now, and they should they should have won this game, and they did. And the Packers were double-digit favorite favorites for a reason, and they showed why. They controlled this game after that blip of an opening drive by the Chicago Bears, holding the Bears to some truly embarrassing numbers through the air. Fields just 11 passing attempts, 7 of 11 for not even 50 yards. It was a great performance after that first drive, generally speaking, from the Green Bay Packers. Now, There are some qualifications there on that very statement about the defense outside of that first drive. By and large, they did pretty well. There were a couple blips along the way, but the Packers more or less controlled this game. They were able to do what they wanted to do on offense, which was get the ball to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They were able to stop the Bears from doing all that much damage on when they were on offense. Even with some of the things that the Packers did not do particularly well on defense, in short, defending the run, that's still something that you will, I don't want to say concede, but almost encourage the Bears to do when they're trailing. If you're down 20 to 10, or whatever the score was, 24 to 10, and you're trying to run the ball to get back into the game, Chances are you're actually just running yourself out of the game because you're burning so much more time. You're probably not moving the ball with chunk plays, though the Bears were at times. And you're eliminating any possibility of getting back into the game quickly because it's going to take you time to get down the field that way. That was a lot of Mike Pettin's philosophy. And by and large, it's a a sound philosophy as, as long as you continue to put up points on offense. The Packers had some struggles with that there in the second half. A couple of fumbles, doomed a couple of drives, but the Bears were also content to run themselves out of the game on top of that. So the Packers win. They handle the Bears more or less and cruise to a 17 point win. Let's talk about some good things from this game. First, let's start with Aaron Jones. A great game. The Packers wanted to get the ball to him more. Aaron Rodgers has said after the game, the press conference is going on right now, that they wish they could have done more, and they're just scratching the surface with what they can do with Aaron Jones, which is phenomenal to hear because I think he's one of their best 11 players. We had a listener question a while back about the Packers getting their best 11 guys on the field on offense and on defense, and I think this game shows why the best 11 right now includes two running backs. Jones is great. He was on the field a lot with A.J. Dillon. Dillon did a lot as a lead blocker. is a threat as a runner and a receiver. He'll make you pay in light box situations. It's a, it's a great duo, and the Packers got a lot out of that duo tonight, particularly Aaron Jones. Finished with 170 yards from scrimmage on the dot, 132 rushing, 38 receiving, two touchdowns. This is the fifth time in his career he's had 170 or more yards from scrimmage, And two touchdowns. Just a a phenomenal performance from Aaron Jones. In fact, his performance made this look a lot like last year's Week 2 performance against the the Detroit Lions. So, as we all know fairly well at this point, the Packers came out pretty slow in Week 1 of 2021, falling to the New Orleans Saints in Jacksonville. And week two didn't start out all that well either. Detroit was hanging around early on in that one. In fact, they led seventeen to seven in the or seventeen to fourteen at halftime. But the Packers ended up figuring things out. Aaron Jones ends up having a great game. Uh, let's see the final stat line there: seventeen carries, sixty-seven yards. So not quite as much on the ground for Jones. Six catches, sixty-eight yards though, and three touchdowns. Ends up with four touchdowns overall, including one on the ground. Jones comes through again in this one. Packers cruise to a week two win over an overmatched divisional opponent. It sounds a little bit familiar from last year. Also, good to see a defensive rebound in this one as well. They did what they needed to do to shut the Bears down. It wasn't perfect. There were a couple bumps in the road, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But it's worth pointing out as well that after that first drive, the Bears only had seven real drives, not counting the end of half one, where they ran one play and then just said, We're done. Of those seven drives, only two went longer than three plays. One was the field goal drive. The other one was the goal line stand where Justin Fields may have gotten into the end zone. It's not, don't have conclusive evidence, but it looked pretty darn close. They also had the game ending pick in there. So of those seven real drives after the first one, you had four three and outs, a takeaway and a turnover on downs. That's pretty good. You can live with that. It wasn't perfect. And we'll talk about that in a second, but hey, you're doing okay. The third good thing that really stood out to me in this one was how the Packers figured out ways to get a few new pieces involved. Christian Watson is fast, so get him the ball however they can. End arounds, those little shovel pass sweeps, stuff like that. Just get the ball in his hands. Let him work with it. And he showed that he can be physical once he has the ball in his hands as well. Sammy Watkins is fast. Get him the ball going vertical. The Packers hit him on two Play action, not 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 quite shot plays. One of them, I guess you could say, was, uh, but both of them went for explosive gains. One was, I think, twenty four yards. One was fifty five yards. He can move. It's it's good to see that kind of field go, or speed going down the field. Romeo Dobbs is great with blockers in front of him. So the Packers got him the ball on a couple of screens. One of them allowed them to convert a second, and I think it was twenty nine after uh, some a couple of rough plays there, the in in one particular drive. A nice big screen play from Romeo Dobbs and the Packers are back in business. They convert a third and nine to Randall Cobb and away they go. There's a lot to like in this game. Aaron Jones is great. The defense did some good stuff. The Packers were, I think, fairly creative on offense and were able to get the ball into the hands of a lot of different guys. Now it wasn't perfect. One of these three things that we're going to talk about as a bad thing is fairly, I think, significant. The other two are are more footnotey sort of things. But um, let's, let's start with the big bad here. The Packers got gashed on the ground. There's really no way around it. When the Bears offense short-circuited, it was because of passing issues. Now, to be fair, some of those passing issues came because they were in third and very long situations. When we talk about Justin Fields here in a little bit, we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper on that. But David Montgomery, 8.1 yards per carry on 15 carries. Khalil Herbert nine and a half on four carries. Those numbers are fueled by some big runs, sure, but that's the point. The Packers were getting gashed. They were giving up big plays on the ground, and I see two big issues there. First, tackling and second, personnel. The tackling was a sure thing in 2021. So far in 2022, it's not. We've seen a lot of misses generally. We've even seen at least one tonight from Devondre Campbell which just does not happen all that often, the Packers need to get that cleaned up. And I think as the season goes on, there's reason to believe that will improve. That was That was kind of the case last year, and the Packers did eventually get that figured out. The personnel issue is a little bit more worrying. Devontae Wyatt, I don't know if I saw him out there tonight. At one point, there was a shot of him on the sideline actually sitting behind the Packers defensive bench area, not a good look, though there are certainly reasons why he might be sitting back there that are not to do with where he stands on the depth chart, but he wasn't out there. Dean Lowry has always had his issues against the run just due to his physical dimensions. He's a pretty light guy. Jaron Reed, more of a pass rusher than a run stopper. He didn't look particularly great at times tonight. That is just the view from the couch, so bit of a bit of a grain of salt there. But the Packers have no real run stuffers other than Kenny Clark. And it's noticeable in games like this. Finally, well, not finally. This is only issue number two. uh, Special teams, while fairly tame compared to some of the miscues from last year, there were some miscues in this one. The coverage, generally good. However, Amari Rodgers muffed a punt again. You had a penalty from Dallin Levitt on that exact same play. Amari Rodgers also had a non-fair catch on a punt where he got hammered pretty hard, which is always a dangerous play, both from a player safety standpoint and from the potentially fumbling the ball standpoint. And then you've got Mason Crosby, who can't seem to really get it consistently into the end zone, certainly not deep into the end zone on kickoffs. And if he's having that problem in September, just imagine how it's going to go in late November, December, and January when it is freezing cold at Lambeau Field. What are the Packers' kickoff situation is going to be like. I shudder to think a little bit. If you can't get it deep, you better hope the coverage is good. Finally, just a couple small things that turned into big things. But uh, in addition to the fumble with A.J. Dillon, it seemed like there were a couple weird exchanges uh, involving Aaron Rodgers and both Dillon and Jones. Earlier on that same drive where Dillon and Rodgers had the mix-up where Dillon fumbled or the ball ended up on the ground after it hit, hit hit dylan Uh, on that first play of that very drive Rodgers had another weird exchange with aaron jones that resulted in a bit of a delay in the backfield that play didn't go particularly well we saw the same thing happen later on that led to the fumble then either on the next drive or a couple drives later there was another weird exchange between Rodgers and jones i just i don't know what's going on there that was not it was strange to see then you had the fumble on the um Christian Watson jet motion deal Aaron Rodgers said in his post-game press conference that was a result of Josh Myers getting the snap count wrong Myers not a great game in this this one it seemed by the way would not be surprised if he does not grade out particularly well uh, by pro football focus and a couple other uh, outlets that do that kind of thing but uh, just the fact that it happened whoever's fault it was it put the Packers in a really tough spot and uh You just got it's got to be cleaner than that because against a better opponent, that would make you, you that will probably make you pay. Stepping back, forty thousand foot view, what does this mean? Two big things. First, Packers are one and one. Second, they are ahead of the Bears and they won't be on the bottom of the NFC North. Does it mean that the Packers' issues are fixed? No, it doesn't. And. I don't want to sound like I'm down on this win because I'm not, but I still think the Packers' passing game needs a lot of work because they're still integrating new pieces. The offensive line is still a big question mark, and it's going to be a big question mark week to week until we have some week-to-week stability. Having Elton Jenkins back was great. Just steps in at right tackle like he's never missed a beat. There was some rust early on, sure, but that's natural. Uh, Playing his first full-speed football in almost a year. But he's back. It's only going to get better from here. And on top of that, we can't forget that the Bears are pretty bad. They don't just have tons to work with out there. The Packers should be winning games like this. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm not appreciative for the win because I am. It's thrilling to see the Packers win, especially on national television. Sunday night football might be my favorite way to watch a Packers game. I love their presentation. Love to see the Packers play well on Sunday night football. But I still can't help but feel like we don't know a lot about this Packers team. And it's in ways that isn't just because it's week two. We don't know what the offensive line is going to be like from week to week. We don't know really where the young wide receivers are at yet, though. They're they're coming along and the Packers are finding ways to get them involved. We don't know week in, week out what version of the defense we're going to get. We don't know yet how well this secondary is gelling, though there were some positive signs, I think, tonight. And you can't really know a lot of those things at all, really, in the short term, and we're still figuring it out. But I think there's a way of looking at this that actually would suggest that wins like that are wins like we saw tonight are actually more important when you don't know a lot about the team. It's a divisional game. It's a team that you should beat so no stumbling over a, a low-quality opponent. Those games are important, too. They all matter in the standings. And getting those wins banked when you're still figuring out who you are as a team, that's crucially important. And doing stuff like that has been a big part of why the Packers have been able to pile up leads in their division and in their conference and get the get the buy. In the NFC playoffs the last couple of years. Getting wins in games like this, even if it, it doesn't necessarily teach you all that much, is still crucially important. Even if the high off a win like this doesn't last all that long, it still counts for a lot. And it still helps you a lot in the long term. So next up, the Packers travel to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. Tampa won today. They're 2-0. They're having tons of offensive line issues too they aren't the team that they've been, but they're still very dangerous. They have a lot of interesting pieces on on offense. There's a good chance they're going to be able to gash the Packers in the run game, much like the Bears did, and they have a much better quarterback than the Bears do, or if nothing else, they know how to use him a lot better than the Bears do, and uh, chances are he'll be able to make the Packers pay in ways that Justin Fields was not. So the Packers will go down there next weekend. We'll see how that shapes up. Uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, we'll see if they can exercise that that demon down in Tampa because they haven't been able to do that. Well, Tom Brady's been down there. Tom Brady, not the demon should be clear there. It's more the concept of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is the problem for the Packers though. If you want to draw that comparison, I'm certainly not going to stop you. Um, yeah, that is, uh, we have joked about a deal with the devil from Tom Brady from time to time. So if that's the direction you want to go with that particular remark, feel free to do so. Some random thoughts and observations, then we'll get out of here. I'll let you get on with your Monday or, well, I guess regardless of when you're listening to this, it is, uh, it's going to be Monday. So um, yeah, it's, it's time to let you go. Uh, a few thoughts here and then we, we will let you do that. Justin Fields, only threw 11 passes in this game. First, that is crazy. Second of all, when he did throw, a lot of times it was ending drives. Four of his 11 passes, not including the interception, so we can we can chalk that up to number five, were in part or directly responsible for ending Chicago drives. First, third down throw, third and 19, a screen to, uh, to David Montgomery. That's a play call issue. That's not going anywhere anyway. But it's third and 19. What you going to do? Third and 10. He tries to throw it when he's past the line, loss of down, no good. Third and 15, Eric Stokes blows up a slant. Uh, they were going to be well short of the sticks anyway. Third and nine, this is the real one because uh, Justin Fields checks down short of the sticks. Devondre Campbell cleans up David Montgomery. The Bears will punt. There's four three and outs right there. Why does that happen? Well, those were all, if if you look back at the play-by-play, if you look back at the film All situations where the running game didn't get anything going, forcing the Bears into second and long and third and long. And when they got into those situations, a lot of the times they were toast. Was that an approach issue or is that a Fields issue? Was the offensive line unable to give him the protection they needed to get downfield? Do they not have the receivers to get open downfield? It's a lot of differing things. But also, I think it looks like the Bears don't really know what Fields is yet as a player or what they have in him. He's a tremendous athlete as a quarterback, but even if he's not who Lamar Jackson is as an athlete, the Bears don't seem to want to go all the way into the wacky Ravens offense that they run out in Baltimore. You know, full-on read option, zone option, stuff like that. They do some of it. They don't do it all the time. Do they want Fields to be a deep passer? Okay, roll him out, get him well behind the line of scrimmage, let them cut it loose deep do they really have nobody who can get open deep or or even you know moderately deep I don't know but it looks like the bears can't figure out the way the best way to use Justin Fields and kind of as we said in the pregame podcast that's a shame from an overall interest in the NFL standpoint now obviously we're not going to shed any tears for the bears here uh on this podcast or I think many others um But just from the perspective of having an interesting young player in the NFL and wanting him to do well for the sake of the NFL and for having interesting things to watch on Sunday, you kind of do want Justin Fields to figure it out. And there's no sign here that that is going to happen in Chicago right now. Is that a Bears problem? Is that a Fields problem? I don't entirely know, but it doesn't seem like it's coming along. Randall Cobb gets into the action today. Three catches, 37 yards. Interesting note, he didn't have a catch in either Bears game last year. 23 snaps and no targets in the first one, was injured for the second. So this is the most he's done against the Bears since his enormous game against Chicago in the 2018 season opener featuring that 75-yard catch and run for that enormous touchdown. He did have an interesting catch on an angle route today out of the backfield. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more of that throughout the next few weeks and months. Uh, They don't seem to be inclined to let Amari Rodgers do that kind of thing, in part because Randall Cobb can still do it. He did it to great effect at times last season, especially against the Rams, before he got hurt in that game. I believe he scored a touchdown on that route in that game. If not, it was a game about that time of the year uh, in the Packers' schedule. He can still be dangerous, I guess, in the right circumstances. The list of right circumstances, I think, is growing shorter for Randall Cobb, but they are making an effort to get him involved. Schematically, the Packers did an interesting thing in this game, and it continues a trend that we've seen uh, so far this season. They've been running a lot more power uh, running type stuff, which is a departure from the zone running that Matt LaFleur loves, but specifically we've seen a lot of a pin and pull concept from the Packers. Pin and pull, very simple um, explanation here. You get a block down uh, on a defensive end or tackle from the offensive tackle or tight end, and then the guard and center Pull around them, uh, towards the outside. It is the basically the 2022 version of of a power sweep, of the of the old Lombardi power sweep that the Packers ran way back in the 60s. That's you get that. You can run it out of shotgun. You can run it with your quarterback under center. And the Packers have run that pretty consistently this season. If you want a a great example of that kind of play, pull up Aaron Jones' touchdown run from the first half. It was like a premier example of that. The the right tackle blocks down, Elton Jenkins blocks down, Royce Newman and Josh Myers pull around to the outside. You even got uh, Yash Nyman uh, downfield uh, blocking, just looking for work way downfield. And I think it's worth monitoring a trend like this because of how big a departure it is for the Packers. Is it something they're just doing because they, they're trying to get Dylan and Jones on the field together? Do they just believe it in general? We don't really know yet. We'll maybe have to get somebody to ask that of LaFleur uh, in a press conference or something, though my uh, degree of confidence in that question coming up from some of the beat reporters is pretty low. Uh, but I would be interested to hear LaFleur talk about some differing concepts from his overall philosophical approach as a coach. Uh, here in the NFL. That is something different that we haven't really seen from him before. Back to Sammy Watkins for a second. I, in my just in-game notes, had him for two explosive plays, both of them off of play action. I think it's really good to get him involved with those for right now because he's still very fast, clearly uh, dangerous with the ball on his hands. Sooner or later, though, I think Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are going to get those sorts of plays Too, and I hope sooner rather than later, because as fast as Watkins is, I think Watson is still significantly faster, and maybe that's just my own excitement talking, but my confidence level in Watson's speed right now is just absolutely sky high. It's like, can anybody in the NFL run with him? And maybe he is not quite that fast, but he's very, very fast, and just finding ways to get him involved vertically. I think is going to be hugely important for the Packers offense, so I hope that we see stuff like that going Watson's way here in the near future. Shotgun runs. Got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about this one. I know that getting Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the field together is important, and I know that in those packages, most of the time, you're going to end up in the in shotgun sets, because that gives you a lot more flexibility with what you can do as far as motion for Aaron Jones, getting him out of the backfield. Aaron Jones runs wonderfully well out of shotgun, but you know who doesn't operate particularly well running from shotgun is A.J. Dillon, because he's such a big guy that he needs a little bit of time to get up to speed. He needs some time running downhill. He does so well when the Packers are under center and he's got a head of steam hitting the line of scrimmage. He doesn't get a chance to do that running out of shotgun most of the time he's virtually standing still when he takes the handoff and it's really hurting i think dillon in particular and the packers offense in general having him operate that way so that is a bit of a pain point there with the um, with the pony packages with getting both running backs on the field overall it seems like that's something the packers are willing to live with i wonder if it is the best use of aj dillon in general Back to the defensive side of the ball, we'll finish out with two observations uh, from that direction. Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark combined for three sacks and five quarterback hits. That is a great, um, great stat line for those three combined. It's worth noting that of all the other Packers defenders combined, they contributed zero sacks and zero quarterback hits. That wasn't a problem in this game, because the Bears only had 14 dropbacks total, I believe. If you count the attempts and the sacks that Fields had, there may be a couple scrambles in there too. But there are going to be games where that becomes a bigger problem. If they can't get pressure with people outside of Smith, Gary, and Clark, we're going to see teams that are able to take advantage of that. Finally, Quay Walker. As exciting as Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are, I'm nearly as excited about Walker because he, so far through two games, seems to be just as advertised. He's fast against the run. He's fast against the pass. Even when he makes mistakes, he's doing it fast, and he's hurting opposing offenses just by being around and being fast. The play before Jair Alexander's game-ending pick, he nearly had his hands on the ball, or he did get his hand on the ball. He nearly had the interception and probably would have scored had he been able to, uh, to haul it in. He is just that good, and he is going to continue to get better week in and week out. It's very exciting to watch him grow as the season goes on. That's all I've got for you on this episode. I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you sticking around to enjoy a Packers win and hope we can continue to enjoy a lot of these kinds of games together. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you would share it with someone you think would enjoy it as well. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.